So welcome to another episode of the Via VHS podcast. Uh, this is we're continuing our series, the Young Indiana Jones retrospective. I'm joined as always by Spencer Scott Holmes. How you doing? Hey man, I'm doing good tonight. We got more Indiana Jones fun coming at us, and I really think this show oh, is it's going down. It is getting better and better each episode. Mm. You know, um, I decided to up the ante a little bit with this uh, episode and, and going forward, be a little bit more organized and a little bit more, um, you know, together and cohesive because this show is doing that. This it, it Four and five, episodes four and five, which we'll be talking about tonight, jumped up another level. Like mm-hmm. um, three wasn't bad at all. Episode three wasn't bad. Uh, well, actually, what was episode two even? No, two was the one where he was uh, with the 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 women's suffrage. Three okay. was the one with uh, Africa. Yeah, yeah, those were both good episodes. They were those, yeah, you know, positive things to say all around about those. You know, I thought you know there was some weird, funky stuff with acting and different things, but they were you know whatever. But man, four and five, both of them just jumped up another level. I don't know which one I liked more. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think probably five, but it's i don't know man there was some good shit in both of them but anyway i guess we'll 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 jump into it because um yeah so you're feeling the same way i did like you really enjoyed these yeah well i felt like you know the first three episodes they were they were all good they were a solid good i felt like these ones are the ones they went to great it was one of those things where it's just just the quality of them you're more invested the stakes start especially the fifth one the stakes start to get super real in it and so on like that yeah. you know yeah. and it, go, it it goes from being more of kind of like feeling like a fun kids educational show to being like okay now now we got some serious war movie stuff going on and situations happening here and you know stuff's not all happy and fun and he's meeting you know heroes and so on like that no 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 people are dying bad stuff's happening you know and indy's gonna have to persevere for this you know, I wrote um, at the top of our screen, I have a little title for us mainly. I and mean, I might end up calling the episodes this, but I don't think so. But it says uh, Ep- Young Indy 4 and 5. Shit, shit gets real and done and more real in Africa because it does. It's just <laughs> like the ante just keeps raising. And they were both really well done. 5 was written incredibly well. I, I was just telling you before we started, that was written by Frank Darabont. You know, Shawshank mm-hmm. Redemption, Green Mile, director of those. Um, he didn't direct the episode, but he wrote it. And um, I was just blown away by how, how good the show is. And it continues just to be like, man, what a lost gem this is. Like, to be really? on TV in the 90s, man. Like, this is just such a such a forgotten gem. I'm glad we're doing this. Oh, I'm, I so am, too. And you know, it's another interesting thing, too. I've been reading this George Lucas book or technically listening to it on Audible, mm. but um, this kind of just whole George Lucas, you know, biography and so on. And the nice thing about it is that, you know, because sometimes the only downfall to certain books is sometimes they'll kind of they'll focus on the big stuff and they'll just glaze the smaller stuff. There was actually a good section on young Indiana Jones in there. And one of the interesting things about it is that they said that the way that George Lucas was kind of putting together is he would write all his story concepts out and so on. And then he would give out the ideas, have somebody write it, of course, and so on, and then send them out to go and shoot them. But all this footage would just come back, and George edited everything on the Pixar like video editing system that he had to make, and finally got used it. So he was just sitting there editing these all together, like in a sense, everybody was shooting them and making them, and then he would be the guy to edit the whole thing on his computer at home, and then he would literally call it, be like, "Hey, I need another scene right here." They would go shoot it send it back to him. He would pop it in and just start editing it all together like that. And I think it was just like, it was an interesting concept that he sort of just had with that, where it's just like, as it's kind of like he's editing as they're sort of shooting and they're kind of passing information back and forth. So if they need to do pickup stuff and so on. And in the process, that was where he sort of figured, he's like, shit, this is what I'm going to do for Star Wars episode one, two, and three, once that comes along. And the other interesting thing too, is a lot of the people that he had on young Indiana Jones all went over to do Star Wars episode one, two, and three with them. So it's kind of like the proto, it all leads in the bad. I mean, even the producers, Rick McCallum, the producer of the show, and um, which is the guy who uh, is kind of talking him off the ledge a little bit in episode one, where uh, George's like, I think I'm a little too far in a few places. And he's like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, um, this show, man, is important because just you talked about him doing this on the Pixar machine and like, (laughs) 
it's the thing is with George, like I, somebody at work not too long ago said he was overrated. And I was like, it depends on your perspective. If you're looking at him as just a director, like if you look at all the things George Lucas is, how famous he is, how wealthy he is, and you tie all of that to him just being a director, then yeah, I would agree with you. But he is like, he's not far off Walt Disney, in my opinion, just in terms yeah. of he established something. And even if he's not doing every single thing there, like his creativity drove, you know, you know, industrial light magic. And then, you know, all these things that you know, even Photoshop, Pixar, all those things cross paths there. And he's the, you know, the common denominator of all that. Yeah. I mean, it's, he's, this, this is impressive. And it's, you could tell this show is, um, I, I just don't know if they were ready for something like this. I, I just don't know if they, if ABC knew how to handle and market something of this because the budget was huge. And I just, I, I don't know. I, it's almost too good for TV, honestly. Yeah, and I think that's sort of it. It has that weird thing where it's like it probably should have almost. I feel a lot of times when I'm watching it, I'm like, God, these are they just they almost could have been movies more than anything else, and kind of continue it that way. I get that the TV show kind of made it so that you could do more of them and so on like that, but it's kind of one of those ones like it's just got such a high concept and everything like that. And really quick before we go any farther, I just wanted to say it's like you know when people get kind of like that weird thing where especially happens in. Like film schools where people kind of talk down George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and so on like that. Mm -hmm. I think they say that because they want to seem artsy and cool. But like yeah. at the end of the day, it's it's like that kind of thing that like once you get older, you realize you're like, no, no, no. Steven Spielberg's kind of like the ultimate director, and George Lucas really at the end of the day, he's not he's what he is. He's the ultimate filmmaker because it's not just one avenue. He's good at like a lot of different avenues. It's like, yeah, I know his, his writing and you know his directing aren't the strongest, but his shooting, his editing, his forward mind thinking, him setting up literally pretty much all the biggest things that we that everybody uses today is all from pretty much George Lucas. You know, I mean, he started all mm -hmm. that stuff, you know, computer graphics, computer animation, you know, editing on, you know, literally your computer and all that stuff. I mean, granted, he's not the one who full on programmed it, but he's the one who funded it, put it together, the ideas, all the special effects and so on. Like he literally is the guy who changed everything in filmmaking. Yeah. You know, at the yeah. end of the day, I mean, even Steven Spielberg would even say that too. It's like, I feel like Steven Spielberg's movies would not be nearly as great without George Lucas, because really without George Lucas kind of putting all that stuff together, you don't get Indiana Jones. You don't really get Jurassic no. Park. I mean, granted, somebody else might have done it, but it would have been different. But that's what sets all those things up and so on like that. And I just like how much input that actually, you know, young Indiana Jones has with George Lucas kind of like at there. It's like so it's like these things are still like it's still him. He's still throwing out the ideas. He's got other people to help him out, of course. But, you know, he's editing them. He's really working on them. He's, he loved the living daylights out of these things. He said this is one of his favorite projects that he worked on was Young Indiana Jones. I believe it. You could tell, like, they cared about it. And real quick before we get into the review, there's one thing that I think that we've had enough sample size of, of it to kind of talk about. Um, Sean Patrick Flannery as Indiana Jones. Do you, li you like him? I, mean, I like him a lot. I feel like... The thing is, is kind of like when we get to these next couple episodes, it's kind of that thing where it's like, this is what the show should have been the kind of the whole time is just straight mm -hmm. up Sean Patrick Flannery. Like, I feel like the kid stuff, I get where it's coming from, but I feel like the kid stuff just, I think the show really should have just always been Sean Patrick Flannery. You know what I mean? And that's really all you need. He is the show in a sense. He is a good mm -hmm. young Indiana Jones. And he, he gets better in each, each one of these episodes. Like at first he starts off kind of, I mean, I know it's kind of like what his character supposed to be as naive and so on, but by the time he's getting the like episode four and five, it's like, dude, I feel like he's really feeling it out. Yeah. And he's flawed. He makes mistakes, mm -hmm. but he's always got like his compass is true North. You know, he's always going for the ultimate moral thing, but he has to make tough decisions, especially in these episodes. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really digging him. I'm, you know, there's a lot of little actors that pop up in here <clears throat> in each of them that you kind of recognize from different places. But, um, so we're going to start, um, in September of 1916, we're going to Verdun. This is season, uh, episode four of uh, the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. And again, if you're just picking up with us, we are going through the original Chronicles, the original aired on ABC Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which was mostly 45-minute long episodes, uh, some movies sprinkled in, and then some feature-length stuff later on to kind of keep it going. 
but it was mostly, you know, the original run. Then George Lucas did it later and added all the stuff together and took out old Indy. Um, but yeah, Verdun, September 1916. Director is Renee Menzer. Uh, hasn't done a whole lot else, a lot of, uh, um, you know, foreign stuff. Um, not to say that's bad, it's just it's what he's done. And um, Jonathan Hensley wrote this film, uh, also wrote the screenplay for Armageddon. Oh, hey, there we <laughs> and go. The, and The Saint. Um, good ones, yeah, yeah. So, so some other, so there's some other stuff he's done in other places too. Um, but a lot of young Indiana Jones pops up. He's done a lot of these, it looks like. Um, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Um, yeah, really. Like tattoos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for this guy. I thought that was. Yeah, well, I guess. Yeah, maybe he did write that one. For some reason, I was thinking that was uh, what's his name from Lethal Weapon that wrote that, or not? Oh, um, yeah. Shane Black. Yeah, I no, guess he, he wrote, wrote the third um, one. No, he wrote uh, Jonathan Hensley and Roderick Thorpe. Uh, he he wrote hmm. a few of the characters, but um, yeah. But this guy's got a pretty good filmography. Looking through here, some really cool action stuff, especially he wrote The Punisher, 2004 one. Hey, that's um, a good Gone one, 60... too. Oh, sorry. He's the producer on Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, not a writer, but still. Um, in, in The Ice Road, 2021 with Liam Neeson. So there's that. Oh, The Road? <laughs> oh, wait, no. The Ice Road. Or the just Ice Road. Ice Road. No, not the, the... Never mind. The road's the one of Vigo Morrison, where it's just the the boy yeah. in Vigo. It's it really was like an unexciting Mad Max movie. Basically, yeah. This is um, it was good though. I liked it, but um, yeah. So so trying to so this one old indie. Let's just get the old indie part out of the way. <laughs> I, I still love the I, I I love the old indie stuff. It's so corny and dumb. I just love. But my favorite part is I just picture <laughs> the other person that old indie's talking to. That because old indie at first, like in this one, they're like in a plane, and there's like some rich kind of billionaire guy. He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna buy up this plane. I'm gonna sell it off and make all kinds of money off it." And then he's like, "Well, what about the people in their jobs? Like, are you crazy, man? I've been flying this plane since before you were born, young man. And now what? I'm gonna tell you a story of some asshole that I met a hundred years ago." <laughs> and you know what you're gonna listen to me for the next 45 minutes because that's all i picture is like these episodes are 45 minutes long i just picture old indy is just bitching (laughs) at this guy on a plane for 45 minutes about how he's doing wrong by running his own business i'll 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 give these things credit early on they know what they are like because they poke fun at it it pokes fun at itself because they're always the guys at the end of the show because you have old indie at the very beginning and at the very end they're kind of like here's the moral of the story here's my aesop's fable mm-hmm. and even the person's always if the person stays awake they're like what what the fuck how did that relate to what i was saying it does though like if you think about it it always does relate but it's just very loose it's like <laughs> like even at the end of this one i had to be like what is he saying like at the end of episode five i'm sorry i was like how does this correlate uh, i was like oh okay gotcha <laughs> I get it. <laughs> well, and I just, I just love the way that they start off because it's like they're, they're just, they're always in a random, random ass place. Like it seems the first episode made sense. I felt like I'm like, oh, they're always gonna be like in a museum or something. Well, that seems kind of logical. What, Here's yeah. this, but then all of a sudden, it's like the episode five. He's in like a doctor's office and he goes to like sit down and he sits next to this one kind of blue collar guy. Goes like. They're taking the taxpayer dollars to pay these people who, you know, don't even want to work and boo 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 do do. And Indy's like, yeah, well, let me like tell you that. what I did in World War One. It's so bizarre. And it's like, yeah, I thought it was going to be in the museum every time, too. Somebody <laughs> comes to the museum talking shit about history. And he's like, well, let me tell you something. And um, by the way, that's not very far off of how he talks <laughs> either. Yeah, it's 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 just weird. Yeah. So he's. The weirdest one still to me was the episode where they're like at the conference, like selling like sneakers or whatever. Why is he there? It, it, there's no, it, it never, it never tells you why he's there. It's not related to the museum. Is he donating sneakers? I don't know. It's who knows. 
It's fucking weird. Is what <laughs> this, it is. this is just the best part, though, because it's just even like the second one. The second one, literally, or like the second one isn't the one we watched tonight, but the fifth episode. It's just like the, the guy, the blue collar guy or whatever, who's like, oh, you know, I'm a conservative or so on. It's almost like, I'll get you to change your ways in my 45 minute speech on like my trip in Africa <laughs> and World War One. <laughs> I'll tell you that you should respect because you never know what somebody could be. That guy might look like a loser who's milking the system but next thing you know he'd be president i'm not that guy next to him, was like if that guy becomes president i'm gonna blow up this entire country like jesus are you telling me the guy who's the total loser could be yeah yeah that girl <laughs> michelle obama no it's 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 just i would fall fall on with it so but we're starting with episode four is um yes we're done 1916 and the synopsis, old Indiana Jones lectures a so-called pirate of Wall Street sitting next to him on a plane of the horrors of the First World War. The man reminds old Indy of generals who casually sent hundreds of young men off to slaughter in the trenches with each battle. Indy himself had managed to get a position as a courier, while his friend Remy had ended up in the hospital, only to be ordered back to the front as soon as his wounds have healed. On a reconnaissance mission, Indy learns the Germans were bringing in two big Berthas, enormous howitzers, to be used at Verdun. Um, okay, so this move, this one, so old ND is on the plane. He talks to the guy. The guy's like, I bought this airline and, um, I don't give a shit. I'm sitting in coach with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You bought this airplane. What are you doing flying in the back? <laughs> yeah. Why are you on the, on the, why are you on this airline? You should be like on a private plane anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Andy's sitting with him in coach clearly. And yeah, it's just, it's kind of ridiculous, but he goes into it. So you go, the The whole idea is this guy doesn't care about little people. He doesn't care about the people working under him or their jobs or their pensions or anything. And that reminds Andy, Hey, remember that asshole that was like going to send us off to fight those howitzers and we were going to get blown to shit and he didn't care at all. That's what conjured Andy's mind right there. <laughs> I just like those guys. Like, he's like, I might fire some people. I'm not going to brutally murder people. <laughs> That's what you're getting at. <laughs> you know, they can get another job. They can't get another life. <laughs> Something funny about this episode. What, what it was more in the second one. Um, I think, but my, my son was my little one, my 10 month old. He started walking today, which is pretty cool. He, he was sitting there and he, he just does this random, not crying, just like loud noise. And he kept doing it over and over. So I had to turn on the captions. Now I watched the captions for both of them, but they're not perfect. So every time they said blown to pieces, it was always blown to pizzas. Like, <laughs> well, because you know like, what those captions probably are because we're watching it on YouTube? Is it's probably just the interpretation of Google doing it? Oh, 100%. It definitely is. It's, yeah. it's close enough to where if you miss something, even if it's incorrect, you can kind of piece together what it said. Mm -hmm. um, and again, as we mentioned, we're watching old Indy. So we're watching the young Indian Jones Chronicles restored on YouTube and they're terrible quality because these things in this form don't exist really anywhere. So the sound is kind of suffers a little bit too, not too much, but it's I, a little, you know, I will say though, by I think like episode four and especially five, the quality has definitely jumped up. It's like, it's almost like they got mm -hmm. a better version of these ones on this one. Well, like the first ones felt like they were hitting that 360p mark or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like these ones start to feel like, oh, someone got it straight off the DVD or something. I was <laughs> tempted to, to um, go watch the movies to see if how much of the actual episodes are edited because as we mentioned before, they combine them. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, if they just combine them, then I could watch the old indie part and go to the other channel and watch the 1080p good stuff and then go back. So, and I might end up doing that at some point. I'm just to compare like one time just to see how much has been edited out. And if yeah. they're really good, you know, cause watching them in, in good quality and I'm kind of a snob about it sometimes, but I'm just, I think yeah. they're, they're there. So, yeah, um, as I said, they got they got much better though than like the first couple episodes. Yeah, I feel like the um it was the one where um he goes to Africa as a little kid. That was to me the worst quality one visually. It was pretty rough. Um mm -hmm. but this one, especially episode five, looked pretty good uh, while they're in Africa. Yeah. But um 
Jalen Verdun. Uh, so he's a courier, and um, for some reason, Remy's just you know being sent to the front with his fat ass. And <laughs> yeah. like, you know, he's just kind of there, but Indy, they know his value. I mean, he speaks multiple languages and he's a courier and he's got on this old badass motorcycle, probably an Indian, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Back in that time, maybe a Harley, probably an Indian. Yeah. And um um he's traveling through, you know, <clears throat> to the front lines and it reminded me a lot of nineteen seventeen, the movie. Yeah. Like the opening that. scene, the opening scene in this where Andy's got to go through, he's going to walk through the trenches and he's got to get to this, you know, um, one of his superiors to, to um, <clears throat> head off a message. And it, it was very, the pacing of it was very similar to 1917. Of course, 1917 had the whole thing where it was supposed to feel like one long shot. So it was, that's a little different, but it, it really looked like that. So that scene was cool. But where this episode really takes off is, the airplane well actually was first there's the battle so mm-hmm. we should we should we should do the battle first so basically indy delivers a message the message is y'all should attack when they definitely shouldn't have and everybody gets blown to bits it's a pretty solid war scene like it for especially yeah. for tv it looks good mm-hmm. no it's got some good war scenes going on here people are getting shot actions explosions you know what i mean mm-hmm. just great trench warfare like they they really go to town on this stuff yeah of course it's two things about it one is kind of pg so it's yeah, the, the, the know, violence is no blood and guts yeah and then of course it's tv too so it's, t- it's some tighter shots you're not at this point you're kind of getting some closer stuff because you know it's tv you know yeah, but you got um, the four by three ratio, you, you're you're always gonna kind of have that. Yeah, it still looks really good. I mean, it's not, you know, uh, save for Private Ryan Invasion of Normandy, <laughs> but it's you know, <laughs> it's not D Day, but it's it looks really really good. Um, and that scene, so that scene really impressed me too, because now you're like, okay, this is some shit we're getting into now. You know, this no more women's suffrage stuff. There's no more shooting lions with Teddy Roosevelt. This is like, you know, some real stuff and. It just keeps getting more and more throughout the episode. Well, I think the other interesting thing too here is that in these two episodes, they didn't do the thing where they're like, let's stop and go, hey, look at this historic figure and really like make it just feel like, and that was the day I met Teddy Roosevelt. Or it, it doesn't have that same thing. It just feels like, okay, it's just Indiana Jones and World War One. You know what I mean? It's not just like he just stumbled in. Oh, hey, Winston Churchill's over here. What do you know? Yeah, this wouldn't, so... It abandons some of that stuff. There's no archaeological MacGuffin in this one. There's no, um, like as you said, historical figure, which some of those guys were technically historical figures, but not anything. They weren't referenced in the same way. They weren't like, yeah, some guy turns around like Winston Churchill. No, it's not like that. <laughs> it's like, it, it's just very, you know, nonchalant. These guys, you know, are, um, just you know, superiors, but basically the dilemma in this is um Indy's a courier and the um I guess the general uh two of the generals are um really nonchalant about sending these young men off to die. And they know the odds are not good. They know that they're probably gonna get blown to pieces and they just don't care. They're just doing it anyway because he's gotta please the politicians, he's gotta rub elbows with the right people. And Indy's in a dilemma because, you know, he's the one delivering these messages to do certain things. And he knows that if he does those things, the outcome, what they'll be. And um, so he's kind of, that's the moral dilemma of this, you know, does he follow orders or not? Which is basically the same thing in the second one to <laughs> episode five as well, but just differently. Yeah. Um, but how about that airplane chasing? though yeah exactly fucking legit yeah great thing just tons of action just chase him down got the motorcycle and everything like that you know what i mean it's just stuff you just wouldn't normally see on tv you know yeah and like i said before they're filming on location you know you got a lot of extras the scope is huge um the action is well shot it's really good it's really suspenseful like i was getting into mm-hmm. it um yeah wait go ahead 
I was going to say, there's the part where, like, once Indy kind of, he takes the job to go, he's like, hey, I'll go run in and spy across the fields and see what the Germans are saying because I'm the only person that knows German, you know? And that one dude's like, dude, what'd you say that for? Like, you know what they're going to do to you now? <laughs> and Indy goes, yeah. in, in the middle of the night, he goes blackface pretty much <laughs> and crawls across the battlefield it, into the night. Not, yeah. Well, yeah, it's not it's not actual blackface. It's just he paints his face black so that he can't be seen. Yeah, he's not imitating a black person. He's like, you know, it, we'll call it night face. Yeah, he goes night face, and he goes but way out did. there. <laughs> yeah, and it's, you know, it is he reaches weird. the bunker. Yeah, it's it's mm -hmm. a bit different, but he goes all the way out there, reaches the bunker, and by the time he gets the bunker, he's so tuckered out, he starts to, he passes out on top of it. So he's sitting on top of this like pillbox, practically sleeping, and the Germans are like, "What the hell is that sound outside?" <laughs> it's just Andy snoring. Um, Rutger, go out the, there and check it. And I think in the fifth, yeah, Rutger, <laughs> in the fifth episode, what uh, the one of the other main characters says, "You have the devil's luck." And that mm -hmm. that was basically um, how it was in this episode because he should have been blown to smithereens, but instead he's waking up and kind of throws a grenade into the <laughs> trenches and runs off. It just um, blows up every living German in that area. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking awesome. Just, just by an axe, he gets he just gets disturbed out of his sleep and goes, whoa, 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 throws a grenade like that. Other guy gets more scared probably because he didn't expect to see somebody right there. <laughs> and then kills everybody. Indy's uh, uh, body count in these two episodes jumps, especially if episode five. Like he is just fucking laying down the lead. Uh, yeah, he's, both he's of... mauling people. Yeah, and you know the funny thing is, you're watching this and all the shit he's going through, and just how how vital he is to everything that's happening. But he also doesn't need to fucking be there. Like, <laughs> at least not yet. Like, I don't know if. It hasn't clarified if America's entered the fray or not yet, but he again he's fighting for the Belgian army. Long story, go watch the other episodes if you want to catch up. But he's he's on the Indiana Jones is in the Belgian army. Um, and this is World War One. So yeah, it was really man, that episode was so fucking good. It was, you know, and it just kept, you know, going back and forth about different things happening. Um, that these generals just didn't care about. And eventually Germans have these two howitzers that are just going to literally fuck everybody up, like blow them to oblivion. And this one general is like, oh, okay, that's, that's scary. Yeah. Just send them anyway. <laughs> like this didn't care. Like, don't think it just seems like there's, it seems like there would be like, you know, want to win, I guess, but maybe yeah. not. I don't know. He's one of those guys, when he plays chess, he sacrifices a lot of pieces, I can see. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's his strategy to win. Yeah. So that, that episode is really good. We don't want to spoil the entire thing. Definitely want you to go watch it because it turns out really good, but it's well written. Mm -hmm. um, and you really are kind of like in suspense with just Indy's dilemma because, you know, he could be – they drive home in both of these episodes. Like if you disobey orders or you go against – what we're being told, Dick, you're going to see a firing squad. And it just seems his, you know, everything's so dire because it feels like they're losing. It feels like his, you know, you know, um, authority figures don't care. And, um, you know, he just really could just leave. And then there's that whole scene in the middle, which was really good. It kind of reminded me of the chicken scene in the, mm -hmm. in the first episode that we both really, really loved, but there was the whole scene where the guy breaks down what the war is really about. Yeah. And you're even more confused, but you're supposed to be like, it's supposed to be kind of like, nobody knows about the fuck that we're fighting. This war really is. Everybody's confused about it. And historically we're all pretty confused about world war one in comparison to world war two. And yeah. it makes, you know, it makes, you know, it makes sense. Yeah, no that that part's really cool when like the guy tries to explain to Indy what the what's this all about, and it just goes in this like circle that keeps spinning around and doesn't really ever end anywhere. <clears throat> yeah, basically Belgians involved because they're close. They're like on the way to, <laughs> on the way to you know Britain pretty much, and they're just in the way, so they have to fight, and somehow they're fighting in Africa too, which we'll find out in the next episode. But 
yeah, man, it's just all oh, seems so pointless. A lot of lives are being lost. Yeah, um, basically because you know. they just want to test out their new equipment. Yeah, everybody's got that. And uh, even going back, it's like I think that America literally was only in World War One for like the last year, maybe just a little bit more than that. But they literally showed up the very end, kicked ass, took names, and ended it like at that time period when everybody else was all burnt out and everything like that. You know, like by the time mm-hmm. they finally got there, it was just like they showed up and just kind of went in and just went hardcore. So I think at this point, too, it's still not even close to when the U.S. even shows up. Yeah. There's um, I'm trying to think. So 19, 1865 to 1917. So that's what, 45 years plus 60 some odd years between this and the civil war. Yeah. Because that was one of the big things too is, is is the U.S. had all this civil war knowledge that a lot of Europe didn't have yet for like fighting the wars and the trench warfare style and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is crazy to me, absolutely nuts. But um, yeah, episode five. I'm sorry, episode four. Really, really good. We're done. Just jumps up another level. Like we, it's really hard to talk about this one because it's really action packed. It's it's um, you know, the plot's very simple. There's not a whole lot of dialogue, not a whole lot of character moments. Remy's in a hospital for part of it. And then he's like, okay, they send me to the front lines again. And um, he's going to be blown to pieces because those howitzers are going to fuck him up. And Indy um, kind of saves the day. But action-packed episode. And I thought, well, that's going to be the best one for a while. And then we watch episode yeah. five. And I think it gets even and- better. Oh, five so does. And I love how five, it like kind of starts off. It's just like, you know, me and Remy just decide because we're in the Belgian army. And if you don't like something, you just say, hey, send me somewhere else. So we decided to go to Africa. <laughs> like, it just felt like not, not a big deal. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. And that, that, that's basically how they describe it. it you know, <laughs> they just like, we got tired of fighting in Europe. So they're like, hey, there was an opportunity to go to Africa. They're like, fuck it. Let's do it. I've already been to East Africa once in this series. Let's just go yeah. back. I said, I'm taking my friend Remy with me this time. Yeah. Um, so German East Africa, December 1916. Um, very adventurous episode. Again, no historical figures really. Um, mm-hmm. no archaeological plot MacGuffins. Um, just action all the way through. But it feels a little more. The the opening is feels more World War One, but the middle part feels it has an Indiana Jones vibe, I guess, because they're in the jungle, but also just more of an adventure vibe. Yep. Um, and it combines both. And um, this episode directed by Simon Winsor and writ again written by Frank Darabont, who's amazing. And um, this one, so we'll, I guess we'll start with the old indie part because this was the most awkward one. But like literally feels like it was written for today <laughs> because um, so he's in Staten Island and he starts the old indie part is in Staten Island. He's at a hospital, I guess, and he's in the waiting room and he's you never really find out why he was getting ready to tell the nurse why. And of course, they cut that off because it's not fucking important. We just need Indy in random places. <laughs> you know, just it's, it's better. It. The more random it is, the better. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, really. Okay. I mean, I, I want to be like in line at Taco Bell next or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like he's bitching oh. at somebody there for forty-five minutes. Well, let me tell you when I had refried beans with Pancho Villa <laughs> <laughs> for the third time. <laughs> yeah, for the third time. Um, yeah. So, um, so the scene is so. India is sitting there in the in the waiting room, and he's talking to this big dude, and they're. T- they're basically they don't know it 30 years ago but they're basically casting what everybody else thinks is a trumper um <laughs> in these days like to be the best way to qualify this guy but he's wearing a red shirt he's wearing a yankees ball cap and we're just kind of sitting beside each other and um a young girl c- comes through right as indy's going up to tell the doctor what's wrong with his foot this girl comes through and she caught a stray bullet um, and it's a black girl. I'm saying that for reference because you'll see where it's going. And, yeah. um, and, um, Indy's like, Oh, that's so terrible. I hope that girl girl lives. And then the 
the Trumpy guy is basically like, well, she's black. And, you know, if, if she, uh, she doesn't, he doesn't say that, but that's what he's like. Well, a child like that, they live yeah. the life they're living on welfare, you know, and the lifestyle they're living. What's she going to amount to? And um, obviously, Andy's like, that's a gross generalization. That's pretty terrible that you would say that because, you know, it's really inhuman. And the guy's like, oh, you're a liberal? <laughs> Like, yeah, he, he literally just was like, oh, oh, look at all the hippy dippy old man here going to tell me how the world works. Oh, I see how it is. <laughs> yeah, it's just so, it's just so, it's, you were talking about generalizations. Um, <laughs> it's just so bad on both ends of it. Of course, Andy's right, but, you know, that's just a horrible person in general. That doesn't need, you don't need like, political labels attached to that it's just like a shitty human <laughs> like, yeah exactly like that that's the thing it's like i feel like once you have the political label to it i, I feel bad for like the, the good conservative people that watch that and go dude no come, come on man that's not that's not yeah. all of us <laughs> you know what Basi- i mean <laughs> basically what that said was um oh you're voting for clinton huh it's <laughs> basically yes. what that was like <laughs> yeah i see no bob Dole in your future yeah <laughs> Oh, no, that was 92. This is when George H.W. got shafted. Oh, yeah, Ross that's Perot. true. I guess we, I guess we are that yeah. early. We're, the, we're that early. Yeah. Dole's 96. I only know this because I'm weird. I'm yeah. With that shit. No, that makes but, sense. I, for some reason, I pictured the young... I always picture the young Indiana Jones based off my video games year because it's like... I think that game's mm. 94. Yeah, so that was my... Maybe it's I 93. It, that's still later in the run. Um, but maybe that's... that's yeah. Um... I'm, I want to talk about the the um, the video game next. When we have a slower episode, that's when we should do it. This one had too much good shit in it. I'll, um, I'll try to play through that game again, see how how far I can get in it after all these years. Yeah, maybe yeah, put a playthrough up here. But um, <laughs> essentially, um, this the what where this is leading this whole old indie part is like the guy was saying that kid's never going to amount to nothing. So who cares if she dies? <laughs> terrible he's like and then i don't want my taxpayer like, dollars to go towards that like what like the 10 pennies you gave to it yeah exactly <laughs> if that even then, like you probably gave like one tenth of a penny to it <laughs> yeah and then indy's like well you never know what that person could be president of the americas or whatever and and the guy's like oh yeah he's but let me tell you a story but when i was in africa so i really thought at that point in time what it was saying is Oh, well, let me tell you when I spent the summer with some black people. That's what I thought they were going with that. Well, I mean, he's uh, I not like, off, but. Yeah, but I was like, this is, that's kind of a more racist way to handle this than what you're, what, what you're really trying to do. Like, this actually feels pretty terrible. And really, that's not the point of the story it's not, at all. So it's just, not like it's going into like Indiana Jones and the Boys in the Hood episode. No, it's not like like he he gets into East Africa. There's like tennis shoes on the on the power lines. Because I mean, like it's kind of like the Pancho Villa episode, something like that. I mean, that one's like two steps away. Like, well, like let me tell you, when I was hanging out with the Mexican, you know, revolutionaries. Yeah, it, if the episode went that direction, if that was the, point of the episode, is like, oh, let me tell you, when I was around black people, it would have been pretty bad. But it's not. That's not the entire point. That's like twenty percent of the point. I think. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. I, well, I think more than anything, I mean, it does tie into that there, you know, which, you know, that's that's definitely like a George Lucas fighting the power kind of movement because he always likes that kind of stuff, you yeah. know. But I think it's more supposed to be like, a, hey, you know what? You just never know. Anybody, you know, anybody can change their ways and become something. Look at me. I came from Modesto. You know, one of those yeah. sort of things. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's that's sort of what it is at the end of the day. Don't you tell me what I can't be. I'm I'm George fucking Lucas. Skywalker Ranch, bitch. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So we're, we okay. So we finally made it. I'm past George the Lucas. Lady. I'm gonna marry a black lady later in the future. That's right, he does. He that's does. Right. That's right. Um. So anyway, we're not making fun of. That we're just making fun of the clumsy way the racism was handled in this in yeah. this episode. It's just it's like, okay, well, it's, where are they going with this? Oh, Africa? That's where you're going with this? Okay, it's like whatever. Because well, it's the old indie stuff always just feels like classic after school special. I think that's what it, it like, does. The thing of it. That's the it best does. way it kind of feels. 
It feels like one of those like family matters episodes or full house or something where they're trying to handle race or something. It's just, um, fresh Prince always did it well, but yeah. Yeah. So some of those other ones always. Goodness gracious. Oh man. They got good. The way I always say it, they got good intentions going. It's just, it just doesn't always come out like the best way. Yeah. The intentions are good. And, Honestly, the, when you see the direction of this show, this episode, it's not, you know, what it seems like it's going to be. But it just really, basically what it seems like in a nutshell is, oh, that black girl's dying. Well, I, you know, she's black is what that guy says. And he's like, well, that's a gross generalization. Let me tell you about when I was around a bunch of black people. That's what it feels like at the beginning. But that's not where it's, it's going completely. No. That is part of it. That's a small part of it. So anyway, so... Let's go to Africa. Um, so he is yeah. in German East Africa, of course, World War One still. Indy and Remy transferred. And as we mentioned, those are pretty good fight scene in like a, a battle scene in episode four. The beginning of episode five is about I would say almost eight minutes long. The battle Dude, scene. It, and it's chaotic. The first thing I it's, started thinking about is you're watching this here and it's like, how do you tell who's who? Everybody's got the same color on. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like that's very one of those chaotic. things. Well, so let's just kind of set the stage. So you got you got Indy, they're all down in like a trench. You could tell they're getting ready to charge. And then like he's is him and then a bunch of other soldiers. It looked just like Infinity War when Captain America was there with the rest of Wakanda. That's yeah. <laughs> that's what <laughs> <laughs> that is what it looked like though so <laughs> well it's like you got you got the african soldiers and then you also got the african tribesmen soldiers That's... in there too to top it off and there's a there's a picture because there's like the general guy with the mustache who's in there the whole time who's like pretty much you know the guy who's tr trying to be like as realistic about every situation as possible but always kind of seems like an ass in the process yeah there's a part where he even he does this look over his shoulder like he sees one of those guys like in full like you know war gear and he does like a double take like is it is that seriously how they're gonna go running in like that? Like literally throwing a spear? Yo, okay, their survival. Well, yeah, their survival rate was really high. I don't remember any of them, those guys dying. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I think they, I think everybody's so surprised. Like, is that real? Is that was, was that just a ghost that's coming at us? Like that that can't be real, right? I'm just hallucinating, right? Too much yeah, sun. Like, there's a shot where they're all down in the trenches and they're getting ready to go. They all have their hands on the um trigger, and then like you know, Andy's talking to his buddy who's who, who's all through the episode and they look behind him and there's some guys with like feathers, like big headdress, like, like, you know, spear, sword. And they're like, we're going to fucking avatar this shit. We're going to go in there and we're going to fucking go. And they, they, I don't remember any of them dying. Like they just fucking no, like did it. Well, when I first saw it, I almost had that feeling in my head is, is like, are they doing that thing where it's like they're envisioning it? Like my ancestors are up here running with me. Like, cause it almost felt so completely different than like their world war one, you know, desert garb and hats. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden here's this, I was like, Oh no, 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 no. Cause that's how I felt that general got the general got the mustache. He did have that look like, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. shit. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> whatever. Just but, hope, hope those shields work. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> against the you know the machine gun that just been invented like ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, so basically that's what this first part is. They they charge, and they're going after you know these Germans, and they've got a machine gun, and this machine gun is fucking everybody up. And <clears throat> uh, this main, I guess he's a he's not a general. What is he? He's a captain, I guess. Yeah. No. Or, or yeah. whatever's above a yeah, captain. Could, What's that? Yeah, I think he's above a captain because I want to say Indy's the captain. And then he becomes a captain. Yeah. Oh, I guess maybe that's how it is. Because Indy's fuck Remy's still like a private pretty much this whole time. And Indy's just going up the ladder of ranks. Yeah. Because he's Indy. He's like you know? he's like a 16-year-old boy who's gonna be like higher raised than anybody else. Yeah, he's yeah, he's basically yeah, he's only 17 in this. Um, yeah, maybe 17. Yeah, this part. Um, so yeah, December of nineteen sixteen. He he was born in eighteen ninety nine. Yeah, ninety nine. Yeah. So, um, essentially, uh, yeah, they they go after the 
they're having this battle. The machine gun is killing everybody. Main dude says, hey, everybody fall back. But right when he says to fall back, the gun gets jammed. And then he sees an opportunity. He goes to take care of it. He gets shot, but is saved by this um, necklace. That I, I think this is Merlin, right? Oh, maybe it's his mom. I thought it was that Elizabeth Hurley gave him or something like that. But maybe that is his I, mom. I think it is his mom. But anyway, he's saved by the necklace. And then... Um, a bunch of bad shit happens again, and then Indy gets another chance to go take over the machine gun. He does, and as soon as he gets that machine gun, he mows everyone down. And he's got this look in his eye too, and he just like <laughs> literally just just goes ham on that thing, like just just blows everybody away. Oh, he just goes to town. See, and the thing that's part where I was thinking is like, I'm looking, I'm like, dude, all these guys are dressed in the same desert garb, like. You know when you play like a video game and sometimes it's that thing where you end up shooting your own guys and I always kind of think about that in real life. I go, if I get confused in a video game of who's my own team member is, I know for a fact that in real life you're going to be feeling the same thing too. Like you're going to get confused mm -hmm. at some point. And when I was watching this battle here, I'm like, I don't know how anybody keeps headers or tails what's going on. Like, it's not like, you know, this guy's like team blue and this one's team green or anything like that. They're literally all in desert gear. So it's like they all look like they're mm -hmm. on the same team practically. Yeah, and just so like to clarify, because we're talking about you know, you know, mostly Africans. Uh, on one side, it was Africans on the German side too. So like both sides are black, wearing like tan All uniforms. Beige. So yeah, tan yeah, uniforms. So it's not like they. It's the reason I bring that up is like, I'm saying they don't look like they're German. <laughs> like yeah, so that, that would at least know. be an easy way to tell like who the hell's going on where. But it's just like yeah, yeah. Everybody looks, you know, they're all in the same colors and everything. You're all in the desert. I just feel like. That had you, you can you can kind of see like war, especially in these these time periods of like when once it just gets chaotic, like you don't really know who's shooting each other anymore. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. I'm gonna I'm gonna read real quick the uh, synopsis so we can kind of go through this. I'm gonna skip mm -hmm. the waiting room part because we talked about that forever. But Indy was promoted to captain and then ordered to cross jungle with Remy and Captain Boucher. And Boucher's the guy who told him to fall back at the beginning, and he didn't listen. And then ended up becoming a hero, which we'll get back to in a second. Um, he's ordered to cross the jungle with Remy and Captain Boucher to pick up a shipment of weaponry. Along the way, his uh, Ubangan sergeant, Bartholomew, picked, picked up the sole surviving child from a disease-ridden village, despite Boucher's orders against it. So, uh, Boucher is played by um, Michelle, du I can't pronounce his last name, Ducasi or whatever. Um, yeah, I, he, I recognize him from something, but he doesn't have a huge filmography, but basically that guy clashes with Indy, you know, this guy's very old school, very by the book, very, you know, don't no sentiment here. We have a yeah. mission. We can save way more lives. If we do what we're doing, no sentiment, no compassion, leave that shit in the dirt. Um, you know. Think about so this is nineteen sixteen. That guy's like, what? What do you say that guy is like? He's probably like forty five. <laughs> you know, what I mean? because it's back then. <laughs> he, he looks yeah. like he's sixty, but you know that like probably back then he's probably like pushing close to fifty, maybe. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll say that was um, eight, he's like eighteen seventies. He's born, so just a different time. Yeah. Um, and so and he's, he's just yeah. a very practical guy. He's like his thing is he's like all logic, no emotion. Yeah. So, and you know, like we said before, Indy's always true north. Like regardless of even if he gets, you know, out of place sometimes or he's making a mistake or he's, you know, young and naive, he's always true north. Like his intentions are the best at all times. And um, mm -hmm. so that guy's very mad at, he wants to bring charges against Andy for disobeying him, but turns out like the head head guy who we, who's off screen and we don't see was very proud of Indy and proud of what he did. So Indy gets promoted to captain. It's kind of recognized as a hero and the old guy's forced to kind of stand down, which causes some bitterment and resentment. And then, um, Indy is ordered to go travel across the country, across the Congo with Remy, him and a whole detachment to get these guns, that are off the the coast of the other side of the continent. Mm -hmm. So they take a train like 2,000 miles, I think it said, right? 
It was a long yeah, way. Yeah, something like that. It, it's, it's, it's a long journey. They definitely go on to get these guns. Like, obviously, yeah. whoever, you know, they got UPS there who just doesn't want to deliver them all the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, because a boat was supposed to go around the Cape of Good Hope. It gets stuck on the West Coast, but they're on the they're in East Africa. So they got a trick all the way across the Congo. Uh, does it specify specifically what country they're in? I don't think um, we could probably no. deduce it, but yeah, um, it, it probably says it in quick passing, but it's, it just almost seems like they're going from East to West in a sense. Yeah. So he has to trek across the Congo to go get these guns. And um, along the way, there's a lot of, you know, dilemmas, you know, as you're going through the jungle, like a guy falls off a rope and falls into the water, and then that Boucher guy is basically like, "There's nothing you can do. Keep fucking moving, bitch." <laughs> like, yeah. And so that kind of sets the tone for what's going on. But they find that little kid in a village. They smallpox went through this village, yellow fever, or whatever. Yeah, and killed everybody. Everybody's dead. Bodies for, everywhere. Yeah, except for a little boy. He looks like he's in a Sally Struthers infomercial, and he's just <laughs> <laughs> he's just hanging out there, like knocking on this guy's head, like, "Hey, are you gonna wake up?" But everybody's dead. And they want to take the kid. They want to take the child, especially most of the attachment is, you know, Native African. So they, you know, they feel a lot more sentiment towards this child. Mm -hmm. And they want to take the child. And Boucher's saying no. And it's telling Andy to tell them no. And the dilemma is, well, you would take the kid if it was white. And Andy doesn't feel that way. Andy wants to take the kid anyway. But He's already he's kind of in hot water with this guy. Yeah, he's following yeah. orders. And they take the child anyway. And that's basically what is the scope of this episode. But it's such a good episode. It's, you know, there's a lot of really intense scenes where Indies and Boucher have to kind of, they conflict and mostly about this kid, especially yeah. the scene where the, he almost shoots the, you know, you know, Boucher almost shoots the kid. Yeah, exactly. And then Indian will shoots him too. It gets like definitely super intense there. Yeah. And so you have this, you know, looming possibility of Indy having charges brought against them when they get to where they're going. Uh, Cause he almost commits a mutiny and um, they don't. And then, so Indy's kind of proving himself to his friend, trying to do what's right, but also trying to follow orders. And it's really, really difficult. And meanwhile, everybody's getting smallpox or dropping like flies they're being yeah, shot they're, out they're on the boat. Yellow fever. Yeah, it's it's a good episode. The only part I there's one part I didn't like. It made sense why they put it in there. I didn't like mm-hmm. the kids saving everybody on the boat. It felt kind <laughs> oh, of. Oh yeah, the kid just gets over there and just starts driving the boat. Yeah, I'll try spinning. That's a neat trick. I mean, that's what it felt like to me. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Episode one. It, it, well, it kind of makes more logical sense, though, I guess, by that standard. George Lucas likes kids that don't really know what they're doing, and then all of a sudden they save the day. Yeah. Basically, they're all being, you know, the kids playing with the oar of the boat, and this guy's this, you know, um, oh my gosh, African Queen. What's, well, yeah, that, that, that's not what? Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, yeah, it was this Bogart wannabe. It was kind of like, don't mess with that. <laughs> yeah, because. <laughs> But yeah. it turns turns out this kid is a boat savant. And <laughs> when they're being shot at, a couple people get shot. They land on the oar and he saves the day and steers them away from danger. Um, and so that Boucher guy who's like on death's doorstep, um, it's like, that kid's awesome. <laughs> and that's, does he die? I was wrong the whole time. Uh, he, I think he is because he gets like the yellow fever real bad. And I think he literally, because that's like the thing is like, as this episode goes on, people just keep falling off left and right, dying, whether they get shot, whether they get killed by disease, whether they fall off a cliff. Like, there's just constant, like, it's almost like apocalypse now, but maybe not as weird, but they're just going like this, like, riverboat journey and everything like that. And just more and more stuff just keeps kind of happening to them and so on. And there's even that part where they go by and there's like, oh, there's a hospital right there, something like that. But like, it's German, don't stop. You know what I mean? Don't stop. It's like that always gave me like those like apocalypse now kind of feels like, you know what I mean? Like if we go there, it's over. Yeah. And Indy was wanting to go. And so I like that they were showing like Indy's not perfect. Like he was going to make a mistake. And even when he was saying that, I'm like, are they going to go to the German hospital? Because that seems like a really fucking stupid. But um, they didn't. But um, one thing that stays consistent with this episode, like these shows, they're like not completely happy endings. Yeah. Each time because. 
two things happen at the end of this. One, Indy, who's fighting with the Boucher guy, Boucher's on death's doorstep, and he tells Indy what to do. And Indy's like, oh, thanks. And he kind of like, you approve of me now, right? That guy's like, no, you fucking suck. Like, you're going to like let us all down. But I can't do anything about it because I'm about to croak. But I just want to let you know before I die that you're a punk-ass bitch. And <laughs> you suck. <laughs> it's basically his dying words. Is yeah. That Indy, yeah. Which I thought was great. I loved it. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, I thought that was I, I like all those ones. Like I thought that was so funny that he like to, to the grave. He's like, no, I fucking hate this Indiana Jones boy. <laughs> he's a punk. Bitch. Wait, let's be punk. honest. You want to you want a sixteen year old boy rising up that far in the ranks? So that's who you have to listen to. You know what I mean? You're like, this kid is two steps away from being like, I'm gonna have to be you know listening to him. You know what I mean? He's gonna mm-hmm. outrank me any moment now. Oh man, yeah. I mean, I get why that guy hated Indy, but. <laughs> Man, like you would think they would. I thought where it was going was you never know how people are going to turn out. I thought it was going to be about that guy. I thought that guy was going to change his ways at the end and became president of Belgium or something. But no, he just dies and he's like, fuck you, Indy. I'm taking that to the grave with me. Like, I'm never going to know if you did this well or not. So I want you to know that you're probably not. You're going to suck. (laughs) And um, it actually never shows him set charges to the boat. I don't know if he actually does. They did. It does say he got the guns to where they need to yeah. go, right? The, I think so. I think it kind of epilogues that. Like it has that yeah. kind of classic thing where it's like, shit, we're running out of time here. We gotta. It, not that it feels rushed, but it does have that kind of thing. Like that. That very last point. It's like I guess that's not really part of the story necessarily. Like we we got the story part, but just the conclusions. Like I almost think told in the narration or something. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to waste your time going back across the continent. Just like, look, they got the fucking guns. They get to the hospital, though, at the end where the boat was. It's like like off the coast, I guess. And there's like a hospital civilization there. And like the doctors start looking at the kids like, yeah, the kid's healthy. You know, he's going to be okay. Uh, that guy that brought him in, though, definitely going to die. And you get attached to that character throughout the episode. We didn't talk mm-hmm. about him enough. Um, but he's... um. He was in, um, I was trying to figure out where he was in the whole time. I, like, I've seen that guy in something. He was in Casino Royale. Oh, okay. Because well, that guy also... becomes like. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, good. Oh, I was just saying that guy becomes like, he becomes such a big character. He becomes, becomes like that surrogate sort of father, even though he says he's more of a friend to that kid. You know what I mean? He's the one kind of carrying mm-hmm. him around and taking him places and throwing him on his back and what have you, you know? Yeah, he was, he was um, in Casino Royale. And he was in Black Panther. I remember him in Casino Royale. Um, mm-hmm. But um, he's like kind of at the beginning. But he, he's, a, he, he's a really big character in this. And he he's the one who d- defies the orders. They say to leave that kid in the jungle. Like when they find the kid, they're like, leave him here. And it's like, well, he's going to die. I'm like, oh, he's already dead. Fuck him. That's basically yeah. that Boucher's sentiment. And then that yeah, guy saves him. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and I, I know of the Boucher guy, He's what he's thinking is that this kid probably has smallpox, and if we bring him along, God knows we could all be dead. Like, And it's like, he is thinking kind of logically. Like, I, I kind of get where he comes from. I know that, like, the one dude trying to go, like, well, if it was a white kid, I'm like, I'm pretty sure if it was a white kid and the white kid had smallpox, he would still leave him there, too. It could be an alien mm-hmm. kid, and I think he would leave him there. I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think it's just the kid has... The, he, the kid could have a disease and this could screw us all over. It's one of the, it's like almost like taking a kid who's, who might be infected by a zombie. Are you sure you want to take that kid with you? You know, it's like that kind of like thought process. You know what it I is. mean? Like this could, this could turn out terrible. He he could turn in three days from now and we will all be eaten. You know, you just don't yeah. know. Instead, it turns out what the moral of the story actually is, is that kid becomes the president of whatever country they say it was. Yeah, like, it, and so that leads to old Indy at the end. It's like, see, so yeah, you don't know you. what that what that girl's gonna be. You think that she's gonna be this, but she could be president of America. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. um, basically, she could be president of the universe. <laughs> it's um, yeah, but the very very last thing you see in the episode is this super Trumpy guy. Who was like talking shit like about the little girl going to die. And then at the very end, they're like, we need a donor. Anybody got AB negative or positive? I can't yeah. remember what it was. And that guy raises his hand and he's like, I hate. He's, you. Like, he's like, fuck you, old Indy. 
But even he said before he did this, after Indy gets done with the story, he, they, he was basically like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Like, I listened to this 45 minutes to the story, and what, what did that have to do with anything? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I would have taken the lady showing me pictures of his random kids. You know what I mean? I'd take that over, like, this old man ranting on about how I'm a terrible person. He's telling me this whole World War One story that I don't know what it's trying to relate to. Gosh, man. Yeah. Old Indy sucks. Let's just... <laughs> But I, I love it. I, the the old indie stuff. I I almost it's that thing that like it's it's just so kind of goofy that I think that it makes it almost even better. It's like should it be there in the original place? Probably not. But since it's there, I feel like it, if they t- taking it out seems wrong now that it's already there. I just I I love the, that stuff because it's just it's so silly, and that's what I think almost makes it so much fun. It's weird because you're bookending goofy silliness with almost like these really serious stories now. If I if I was if Disney came to me and said you're gonna redo this series and you're gonna you know make it how you want it blah 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 I would leave the old indie stuff in I would just do it completely differently like it would be oh yeah a much better actor you know like who would you I mean well first you would well, get well really Harrison nowadays Ford. yeah I feel like you would just get Harrison Ford and be like Harrison Ford all you have to do is we're just gonna sit you in a cool looking room. That looks like it's got all kinds of books and old artifacts and so on like that. And you just act like you're right. I think you literally could just do it like this, the diary style where it looks like Harrison Ford's writing like almost like his memoirs, like he's Bilbo Baggins or something. And um, he's telling he's narrating the stories and then it goes into him. I feel like that's all you have to do. It's like the simplest thing. I think he should be like in the 80s and like watching the news or something. And then like, oh, yeah, like drinking a and, beer, like sh- shirt half off, like, like, what the hell happened to any of this time period? <laughs> like just angry, <laughs> angry old Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah. He didn't have to. He just has to be himself. Yeah. Um, Instead of being goofy, like kind of crazy, goofy uncle, as in this old indie. Yeah, I think writing the. um like a little scene where it just kind of triggers something and then him going to write it would be way better than him trying to explain it to random people, especially these days. People are like, get the fuck away from me, old man. Um, <laughs> yeah, no so. no one's going to sit down for 45 minutes every single time he's got a beef of someone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or have oh, it take oh, you just wait. You just wait till I get to the hour and a half long episodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gosh, the old indie stuff is such a. It, but see, I do look forward to it every time. I'm like, oh, how's this going to start? I, like every time we click I, I on it, I look like, so yeah. forward to it. <laughs> oh man. Well, again, uh, thanks for listening to these. Thanks for following along. Young Indiana Jones retrospective. We're having fun. After doing episodes four and five, you know, if you were to ask me if we were going to get through this, ultimately, I would have said no. <laughs> Probably not, but now I feel like we're going to because we're having fun. I think we're going to get through this entire series. Uh, we're probably going to slow it down a little bit so we can, you know, um, get not only get some other stuff out, but because we're trying to get this all ready for June, Indiana June. So, um, but thanks for following along with us. Um, again, you could go to Young Indie Restored on YouTube if you want to follow along with exactly what we're watching. You could go back and watch the repackaged versions of these that George Lucas re-edited them all in the movies, and there's actually better quality, um, and they're on YouTube as well. You can watch them for free. There's other channels, but I think we prefer still watching it this way in the original format with the goofy Young Indie as the air on ABC because um, I think this is how they were meant to be viewed. Um, mm-hmm. so I think we're having fun with that. So young indie restored on YouTube. I've not been able to find a way to contact the person, the man or woman that put this together. Um, because I, I there's no email attached to it, but I'm going to find some way to let them know that, that we're using their resource for this. So, cause I, I'm very appreciative. So anything, any, any last uh, comments you, you want to make before we get out of here? Uh, no, I think, uh, well, maybe once this, we get farther along, I'm getting close to Pizza Boys 13 being just about done. I'm just at the point where I'm doing the extra checks and edits and so on, and hopefully it should be up for digital and physical ones following right after that. 
I like to say by January in that mm. time period, obviously yeah. early January, but somewhere around there, you know, I've, just that last bit s- of dialed in. I've got a sneak peek. I'm digging it. I think everybody's going to be really excited about it. I think, um, yeah, you found your stride and some, some areas that you already vibing pretty well, but now it's getting even better. So I'm excited for everybody to see it. Um, I still have to finish it myself, but I'm, I'm really digging it so far. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for pizza boys. Also early in the year, oldmanorange.com. You can find everything Spencer does there. Um, next we will be going to, uh, episode six and seven. We're going to be going to the Congo in, uh, January, 1917. It looks like that same riverboat guy is uh, in the thumbnail. So we'll be seeing him again. And then in episode seven, we'll be going to Austria in March of 1917. So, um, you know, in January of 1917, he's in the Congo. And by March 1917, he's back in Austria. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But um, if I'm not mistaken, um, that's one of the We just watched 7.6K views on this channel was episode five. I think that might be well the, the one with the most views is episode one. But then as you get further up, the um, there's a Transylvania episode. Um, that has a lot of views. I think it's like 8,000, almost nine, almost 9,000 views. So I guess hmm. he's going to meet a vampire. So that's pretty Something fucking like dope. That. I, I yeah. do like how that the, the world war one stuff is like, kind of like this kind of continual episodic adventures that keeps going on. I think that that's so cool because that to me was always the most intriguing thing of knowing about the young Indiana Jones was knowing that Indy was in world war one. And I always just wanted to see more of that. And then, this show is just delivering on this in all fronts. Yeah. I and judging by this, it doesn't look like I might be wrong, but it doesn't look like we get kid Indy for quite a damn while. Like it looks like we're going to have at least one, two, three, four, five, six episodes. Seemingly for sure. Judged by the t- years that they're in, um, that we don't have young Indy. And when you see young Indy later in the thumbnails here, he looks a lot older. Um, so it's like yeah, yeah, 1908. So, so yeah. Might cut to like punk 12 year old Indy where he's all angsty and so on. Yeah. Yeah. You could tell the kids matured a lot since he's played in some episodes. So I think he's still playing an eight or nine year old, but he's, you know, looks older. So he's only a punk 12 year old in real life at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, thanks for listening. Young Indian Jones Retrospective. Stay tuned to Via VHS Podcast. We got actual movies coming up soon. So um, again, thanks for listening. And Via VHS is out.